How's it going? Today on the Black Tie Affair, Patrick and I talk about Puerto Rico and the problems that the Donald is having with getting that shit fixed, even though it shouldn't be a problem. And wait, I'm going to stop talking. I should actually wait for the show to start. We also talk about healthcare and whether or not grown men should yell at people from cars. It's going to be a good show. Take a listen. Hey, welcome once again to the Black Tie Fair, show where two friends talk about politics, pro sports, and pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Jelani, and to my left. That's not, that's, that, those are, folks, he's showing me symbols. These don't, this is not, I don't know what that means, I can't read Urdu, or what is, what is that? Um, Jelani, just, just to educate you, um, this is how my name is spelled in Persian. This is it. These these are not scribbles or scratches. This is my name written in Persian. I recognize it as an actual language. This I just it. not a language that I could read. So I'm, I'm just okay. So but that's it. This so is he, it. This he is my sh- name. He this showed my, it's me. like Prince. That's what it is. Okay. It's like a symbol. This is what I would do in Persian. I wouldn't even say my name. I would just show them a picture of this. So to my left is the host, formerly known as Patrick, with the symbol instead. And that's it. That's he, it. Don't even call him Patrick. Just the 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 person formerly known as Patrick. Oh my gosh, that's way longer. We are on episode number 30. Thank you guys for rocking with us. Three yes, 30. Exactly. 30. We're exactly. Here. We, we made, made it. it happen. We made it with that 30. And with that being said, I want to go ahead and keep a real quick promise before we jump into the show and get you what you're looking for. I said if I saw a five-star review, I was going to read it on air. I'm going to read it right now. Good. I haven't read it. What does it say? All right. So it says two cool guys. So I'm, a, I'm a going to assume that this guy was talking about me twice. <laughs> um. And he says, uh, very entertaining, and they know their shit about politics. Also, I pick up something uh, interesting, vocabulary, most weeks. So I guess like... <laughs> most weeks. That's good. That's that's actually accurate. Yes. Because if it said everything, I'd be like, you know what? That's a play. Did you did you plant that, Lonnie? I didn't plant it. They said sometimes they get some interesting vocabulary. So that's, that's kind of cool. Well, thank you, whoever put that. We appreciate it. Yeah, we definitely appreciate the shout outs, people talking about us, you know, and we're, we, we're here, like I said before, we're here for you. And with that being said, we're going to jump right in and give you what you expect from these two weirdos. Patrick, what's new? All right. So a lot of shit going on again. Of course. Um, Trump has came back from break. Uh, Labor Day has passed as he hit the floor fucking running. Isn't he on break pretty often? He is, actually. He's on, he, he golfs like every fucking weekend. Um, but, uh, what is also on the move is natural disasters and hurricanes, Jelani. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in Puerto Rico. Uh, a little bit about, uh, well, actually a lot about what's going on uh, with Hurricane Maria or, or, or the effects of Hurricane Maria. Yeah. The hit landfall. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's give some background. Um, this was the worst storm to hit, hit, uh, Puerto Rico in 90 years. Okay. A damn century. Dang. Okay. I did not know that. So it's the strongest uh, to ever hit the U.S. territory. Um, it affected the entire island. Um, more than three million people are without power, Jelani. Three? A hundred percent of the island has no power. How? A hundred percent of the island has no power. Um, thousands are in shelter. There is widespread flooding. 
Um, and I just want to give you some background, okay? Um, before this happened, Puerto Rico had been in a recession. Do you know that Puerto Rico filed for bankruptcy? The whole territory. The whole territory filed for bankruptcy. Um, uh, and I just, uh, on the heels of Hamilton, mm. you know, he's from Puerto Rico. Oh, the guy, Lin-Manuel Garcia, uh, forgot his last name. Right. And Hamilton, too. He was from Puerto Rico. I did not know that. Yeah. So, um, well, basically, what, what ended up happening earlier this year is that they filed for bankruptcy. And um, basically, the public power company was low on cash. And they had horrible infrastructure. This sets up Hurricane Maria. So, I just wanted to give you that background. Yeah, of course, because the infrastructure makes it so it's so easy for it to have such damaging effects, basically. Exactly. They, I, I, I mean, simply put, they just were not prepared for it. Um, so, so let's go ahead and give you some more facts about what's going on. So, um, there's no electricity, there's no power, um, there is very little water that's going on, um, mm-hmm. because oftentimes, uh, you need power to clean and provide water and sewage and, yeah. and, 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 and proper, um, municipal infrastructure. Um, there's, there's obviously a gas store, uh, a shortage up into, I want to say yesterday, you could buy no more than $10 worth of gas to put into your car. Roads are blocked. They're devastated. Um, they, they cannot get f- fuel aid, um, other necessities through. So you're hearing, um, and you're going to be seeing, and if you haven't already seen a lot of, uh, celebrities, a lot of, um, spokespeople come out to say, help Puerto Rico, help Puerto Rico. Um, so the question is, what is the federal government doing to help our our fellow citizens? Yes. Our Puerto Ricans. Um, so I want to take a step back real quick and give some folks um, some context into natural disasters. Um, when, when things like this happen, uh, preparation going into preparing for the natural disaster is a huge part of basically surviving it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, then once it actually hits... The, the the resources and the reactionary forces um, are vital, are super important for, 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 for being able to, to, to make sure that people have um, life-saving uh, medication, to make sure that there's infrastructure when stuff like this goes down. Um, and it takes a army-esque type of um, reaction, right? Um, you can't have your normal local like bureaucrats try to negotiate stuff like this. This needs to be a deliberate military Reaction. Yeah, National Guard, that kind of thing. Get to somebody who can just like strike and it's like this is something that we have been prepared for. We have the tools. Let's go ahead and just make a, a targeted strike to fix the situation and get people the help that they need. Right. That's absolutely correct. And so I want to bring folks back to Katrina. Right. So a large part of Katrina was that um, a large part of Katrina was the response. Right. Was the um, was the response to you know Bush flying over the uh, uh, the New Orleans area and not having boots on the ground, not being properly prepared, right? Well, there is a gentleman. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, the movie Jelani, um, when Levees Broke by Spike Lee. It was like a documentary, a four part documentary a few years I've, ago. I've heard of it. I've definitely heard of it because it was. I mean, obviously a big deal. I know Spike Lee, like his movies or his whatever he's trying to um, his art is usually influenced by things that are happening that are tangible and have to do with, you know... Controversial. Like, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, uh, very, very, very kind of... 
um, hot button issues. A hot button issue. Yes. Uh, uh, fighting against the man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so uh, he he had this documentary that talked about you know what happened during Katrina. And one of the characters who actually came out looking really good in this documentary was a general, a general by the name of Russell Honore. Okay, he's a lieutenant general, and everything had gone to shit with Katrina until he arrived. He arrived about four days later, and he put in work. And he went through, and um, quite honestly, without his type of organization, um, the uh, we we would not have a lot more lives would have been lost in Katrina, and things would not have gone uh, uh, rapidly better um, without his aid and assistance. Okay, so he's not retired, but um, he's still a consultant, and um, he has some words to say about what happened, what the response is like in Puerto Rico. Um, we're gonna hear two clips. Uh, we're gonna first hear the, the the first clip is with Anderson Cooper on CNN. Okay. And listen to this guy, um, the uh, the former mayor of of, of Katrina um, or Katrina of of, of New Orleans uh, called this guy the Black John Wayne. Okay. Listen to this. Uh, listen to this dude's voice. It's amazing. Black Wayne coming up. Rico, the supplies are starting to move, uh, both by on road and uh, in some cases helicopter airdrops. I is that how you see it? Are things beginning to work? Uh, yeah, it, in, in in bureaucratic terms, it's starting to work, but it's not meeting the needs of all the people. I mean, every reporter has come up; they're not making this up. They're talking to officials. They're seeing things on the ground, uh, and I, I do respect uh, uh, Brock. I do respect. Uh, Barca, they're, they're, they're trying their best, but there is, they require policy guidance from the president on what he wants them to do, and I think that's where the gap is. When we should have been moving the military last Saturday, the president was out playing golf and twittering. Uh, I think the, the, the cabinet didn't meet until Monday if I followed their meeting schedule, and it wasn't Tuesday that they announced it was, a general was going in to lead the federal effort, and they sent the Brigadier General Deputy, and then the day uh, uh, General uh, Buchanan, who is a very competent uh, general, uh, he and General Kim both, they know what they're doing, and I th hope they, they're given the authority to do what they need to do. So let me In New Orleans, uh, the, the, the president told me, do what I have to do, and indicated to Secretary uh, Chertoff, who was already on the ground in New Orleans, and, and Mike Brown, who was in the ground in New Orleans, uh, that I was to sort out uh, any confusion in the evacuation and had the authority to do what I needed to do. Uh, I heard a conversation earlier today where they indicated that if the our task force commander wanted to do airdrops, uh, he could make a recommendation. That, that's bullshit. Uh, now that that commander uh, Buchanan is on the ground, he need to be given orders and figure out what rules need to be break to save lives. Because this bureaucratic response is not working. With all due respect to the White House, they can try to put lipstick on this pig, but this thing is moving too slow, and they don't have it scaled right. We need to have at least 100 helicopters there. We got less than 60 at this time. We need to have 15 ships there. We got less than 10. I mean, we've got to get to moving if they're going to save lives. We could have deployed an airfield opening from the Air Force, and they have the capacity to jump in. Let, let, we could General have avoid the, the portal. They didn't do that. General so Honor, they got a lot of tools in the box they didn't use. I'm sorry. I'm no, it's all right. Sorry. I just want to play you something the White House said today, uh, because there was a lot of bureaucratic uh, and sort of technical language in there, 
And I wasn't quite sure. I mean, I know what the bottom line they're saying, that, that the, this general wasn't needed eight days ago, which I don't quite understand the logic on that. But let me just play you what the White House said, and then I just want you to respond to it. Why has it taken eight days to get a three-star general on the ground to start organizing this? We know the island situation, et cetera, but why eight days? Yeah, um, well, because it didn't, it didn't require a three-star general eight days ago. We have a three-star general in charge of this, and we had one in charge of this out of San Antonio from day minus eight uh, and day minus two and all the way through until today. San Antonio is thousands of miles yeah. from Puerto Rico. Yeah. Why uh, was it a mistake? Would you acknowledge it was a mistake looking back to not have this three-star general on the ground earlier? No, not at all. In fact, that doesn't affect it. The way we stage uh, equipment and the way we handle area command and field operational commands, uh, this is textbook, and it's been done well. So he's saying this is textbook. What do you, what do you make of that? Must be a new book. I hadn't read that book. <laughs> the, the job of the United States military is to save lives. And we've lost eight days uh, through this bureaucratic process of making decisions with the president and the cabinet not meeting immediately to figure out solutions to these complex issues. And it took what took seven, eight days to relieve the Jones Act. It's taken eight days to uh, announce a three-star general. And oh, by the way, the FEMA director is still in Washington, D.C. And, and I think he's a good man, but he needs to move on the ground. That's where I'm headed tomorrow, and I hope he beats me into Puerto Rico because uh, he needs to sort this out on the ground, not from Washington, D.C., doing press conferences. He needs to be on the ground with that governor if he's going to be the commander of this with the governor. Everybody, when you show up in Puerto Rico, works for the governor. We know the three-star generals, they works for the governor and the governor's priority. That's the way it works. But that general has to get the authority from the president and the National Command Authority that if he need to deploy more troops, he call for them and they show up. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I was thinking that within the next 24 hours, we could airdrop elements of the 82nd Airborne in there that could bring in stuff as opposed to ammunition and help get things in the far reaches, link up with the National Guard and create an area network that could be sustained for a few days with airdrops in the far-out places. Yeah. But the way they're doing this is like a bureaucrat uh, planning uh, uh, an inaugural or something. This is uh, too slow, and it's not scale right. And Katrina had 20,000 federal troops. They still don't have 10,000 federal troops on the ground. Yeah, and this is obviously we got 7,000 National Guard by 3,000 federal troops. We had 200-some of hel 100 helicopters. We have less than 100 helicopters here. Yeah. I mean, we don't have an aircraft carrier. If the carrier was there, it could handle the air. So, uh, that guy is a character. He is. He never heard that book. He hasn't read that book. He hasn't read that book. Nope. It's, a, it's textbook, Jelani. It's what's textbook going on. was the wrong book. And so, um, these are really long clips. Um, but I just want, you know, it's important that, that, that we share this information with folks because, you know, this guy's an expert. You know, this guy was there. Um, he was sent in to pull out of Katrina. He, he, he was there to get the roads open and to get um, much needed uh, supplies to our citizens. Um, and it really pisses me off because you think about America and you think about it takes eight days, okay, for us to even get anything remotely close to being done. Um, and we're the greatest nation in the world. You know, we talk about how our army can go in and, and airdrop and parachute. And, you know, there, there's like branches of the actual military arm, like of the Air Force, that their job is to set up like airfields, like temporary airfields. They can airdrop in to a place that within like 40 hours build an airfield, like a temporary airfield where stuff can happen. You know, um, these are skilled 
operators in their field. And it's like, you look at America and you're like, you know how people always say, I can't believe this is happening in America. It, 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 it doesn't even look like it's America, right? We look at Puerto Rico, it doesn't look at anything remotely close to a state or a territory. Not at all. And like, there are no troops on the ground. And so, um, uh, you know, they're sending a three-star general, okay, uh, to go and help organize things. Um, but the question I have, which is actually leads up the next clip, um, and bear with us on these clips, but I think it's important that people listen to uh, General Honore again, and uh, he talks about what needs to be done now going forward, what what the task will be. And so I want folks to listen to kind of like, you know, okay, what's the magnitude that's going to take to get us out of the disaster that is, you know, that's happening in Puerto Rico, but also to know that it's possible, like this, th- this can be done. Fantastic. Tell them about the good book, General Honore. Lieutenant General Russell Honore, he commanded the military response to Hurricane Katrina. General, thanks very much uh, for joining us. So what do you think FEMA could be doing right now to speed up the delivery of this aid? Well, uh, get some troops in there from the 7th Trans, uh, a transportation unit uh, on the East Coast there. Their job is to run ports. They could have been in there since last Sunday is the sad thing about this, Wolf. Also bring an Air Force outfit in that can run an airfield. They should have been in there since Sunday. And to bring the United States Army part of the 82nd Airfield opening so you can go open the other airfields around the islands. None of that's been done because it's been slow to deploy the military. You know, it took us seven days to appoint a, a brigadier general and another 24 hours for them to make a decision in the Pentagon and we need a three-star general. I don't know what the hell's going on back there. They're using words I don't understand, yet we never use to win wars, like partners, with our partners. No, I'm not your partner, FEMA. I'm a, a command that you give me a mission and said, take water, fuel, and fuel, and save the people of Puerto Rico. That's what we operate off as a mission. The military didn't get that mission until yesterday. Up until yesterday, there's only 2,200 federal troops in and around Puerto Rico. That's including those out on ships. We've got to do better than this, Bush and uh, Wolf. And I'm telling you, after this is over, I'm going to see Senator McCain and Graham, and we're going to try to, I want to work with them on some legislation not to never let this happen again. Because something happened, says Katrina. That R North commander, General uh, uh, Jeffrey Buchanan, going in there, his headquarters exists 365 days a year just for this mission. And it took us eight days to mobilize him and tell him, come do it. Yeah, I because don't in the last hour, going on in the Pentagon. As you point out, only in the last hour did we learn that the Pentagon appointed uh, Lieutenant General Jeffrey Buchanan to lead all U.S. military hurricane efforts in Puerto Rico. He's expected to arrive in Puerto Rico later today. Uh, We know that his first priority, General Honore, will need to be aid distribution, saving lives. So walk us through what General Buchanan is about to do, and I agree with you, he should have been on the scene a week ago. And he is the the right man. That's his job as a 5th Army commander. He's had multiple experiences in Fifth Army to include a job as a DCO. He knows what he's doing. He's to set the priority of work and then figure out what damn rules he got to break, Wolf. We never would have evacuated the city of New Orleans if I listened to the TSA and to the pilots. The pilots wanted uh, manifests and the TSA wanted IDs. We waived those rules and we got the people out of there. The next thing he needs to have the authority to command. Is he a JTF commander or is he a partner? 
He needed to be, have the authority to make decisions for the president. President Bush leaned in my ear and said, look, you get this done. And whatever it takes to get it done, you get it done. And he looked to the governor and Homeland Security and said, let the general get this thing evacuated and get this thing settled now, and then we'll go back to normal stuff. And that's what he did. Gerald Buchanan need to get that call from the president and said, you do what you got to do to make this happen, save lives, bring in troops from the 7th Transportation that know how to operate all those trucks. Bring in the Marines. They know how to uh, do uh, clearing of the, of the temporary airfields and the 82nd Airborne, parts of them have an airfield clearing unit. And the United States Air Force has been sitting down, wrangling their hands. I can tell you they want to get in there. They can put people there that can run that airfield and 10 others. Get this, Wolf. In Hurricane uh, Irma, uh, we had an aircraft carrier. If that aircraft carrier came over the horizon, it could have run all of the air in and out of Puerto Rico. The second day, they could have had an AWACS above running the airfield in Puerto Rico 24-7. The military has the capacity to do this. And what I'm going to see Senator McCain Graham about, we're going to create a damn law that the next time we have hurricane season, Department of Defense needs to be prepared to handle three back-to-back -back Category 4 storms, and we maneuver on those storms just like we did in Florida. Florida was a textbook operation. General Calhoun put his guard in. The federal troops came in by sea and by air, and it was a textbook operation. It was a difficult operation. We needed even more than that. Scale up, Wolf. They need to scale up in Puerto Rico. Katrina I had 20,000 federal troops, not federal workers, federal troops. I had 20 ships and over 240 helicopters. And Puerto Rico is bigger than Katrina. And if somebody from the Pentagon want to call me or from Northern Command, call me, I'll give you the damn numbers because they're in the after-action report and the lessons learned. It doesn't look like we learned anything. We are slow. The issue with the United States is we always do the right thing, but we do it slow and late. And right yeah. now, that the people of Puerto Rico are going to pay that bill. This guy is like a beast. And he, if you go look him up, okay, because he looked the way he sounds and the way he looks. He is just commanding. He, you know... Here's the thing about the whole situation, right? You have okay, so let's look at first responders, right? You got police officers, you got firefighters, you got, you know, you got people in the military, right? Do you think they're seeing this stuff on TV and they're going, "I want to fucking go down there"? No, that's what it said. He's Send like, me the fuck down there. Exactly. He was saying they were wringing their hands, like, 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 but, but they need to have the authority. Someone had to say, "All right, look, this person has the authority to do X, Y, and Z." Yeah, the, right. Like the because some rules have to be broken because. The bureaucracy, the red tape, is not there in situations like this. That has to be done away with. You can't say, you know what? Well, yeah, we would do that, but we gotta do it this way. It's like, why would I do it that way? Why? Right. It's why? utterly ridiculous. No, no, no. Like not, not now. Right. You need. I like the thing he said. He said he need to find out what rules there are and fucking break them. Exactly. That's what he needs to do. What are the rules? Come out to break them. He in the, in the other clip he cussed on national television. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm moving. That's I'm, bullshit. I, I'm in the middle of this right now. I'm not. I can't. I can't be slowing down with yeah. the bureaucracy and right. being like you know. I gotta keep going. Even with his own television peers, he's breaking that bureaucracy. Exactly. He knows what to do. This general is on point. So. um... You know, what, what's giving me peace of mind is he said that there are, you know, there's a three-star general that's going down that he trusts, that he knows what he's going to do. Um, there, there, There's a roadmap for it. Um, this guy's influential. This guy is someone who um, is not only believable, but credible as well. And so, um, you, know, I, you know, I hope and pray things get better in Puerto Rico and that folks continue to pay attention and, um, you know, kind of you know, keep 
make sure you keep your uh, keep your uh, the pressure on elected officials and just to to make sure that people know about what's going on because that's how you're able to create movement and that's what Puerto Rico needs right now. Absolutely, yes, yes, yes. So um, that's kind of out of the way. We had a little information from General Honoré. Now let's go ahead and move into this healthcare stuff. What's going on with that? So um, healthcare is off life. Well, let's Obamacare is uh, no longer on life support. Uh, so uh, that's good news. Um, last week, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if we talked on the show about McCain or was it still up in the air? Yeah, if McCain was going to vote yes or no. No, we had said that he talked about the fact that he was not comfortable with it. But he we didn't did. like it, right? But yeah. it did not come out yet. Um, so for, for those who don't know, um, we were we were waiting to hear if McCain was going to be the, uh, the 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 basically the no vote to um, to not allow the repeal of Obamacare. And it came out last Friday that he said he could not vote for this uh, uh, Cassidy Graham bill um, and effectively killed the bill. I heard DT was on the air, and he said they had the votes, but there was a dude who was in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Somebody was in the hospital, and that was the only reason. They had the votes. Right, no. There was a guy no, in the hospital. No, that, no, that wasn't. Senator, <laughs> no, wait, no. There was a senator. He was in the hospital. That was the only reason why no. it didn't happen. No, he don't know how to do math. What? He not know how to do math. They, they, they would have willed his ass out, okay, to vote if, uh, if need be. Uh, the point was McCain was basically the, the the vote that killed the whole thing. And I watched his 60 Minutes um, uh, interview with uh, McCain, and they asked McCain if basically him voting no was kind of an FU to Donald Trump. And he and he laughed it off like, no, no, no. If I spent my whole life trying to get revenge on people who said some something about me, then, you know, I would never get anything done. Um, you know, I'm here to get things done. Um, so, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking that was a big F you to Donald Trump. Can well, remember what Donald Trump said about him? Oh no, absolutely. But I think, I think a situation where it's like, it's his conscience, but he's also like, well, it's my conscience and also fuck him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It works in his favor. Yes. Yes. It, sometimes it, you do think you bite your tongue, but yeah, I think it's situations like that's exactly what it was like, okay, I could get this done. But I don't really think that the way we're doing it makes the most sense. A lot of my actual colleagues, they're getting, they're voting yes because they feel pressure, but they don't really believe in it. Well, if we don't believe in it, and this dude was a dick to me, that's two strikes against it. I'm voting no. Yeah, so fuck you. Exactly. And you know he has, you know he has uh, uh, brain cancer. Yeah, yeah, I know. And like, do you know that like it's one of the most rarest brain cancers, and the prognosis is like dire, like less than three percent survive. Well, he's kind of old anyway, so it's like at this point in time, he's like, <laughs> that's he's like no, I'm not, I'm not really I'm just being realistic, but it's like also it's like, what do you want on your legacy? So he's true, like, true. He's like, I got one foot in the grave. I got brain cancer. I survived this crazy ass surgery, and this dude trying to take away healthcare for all these Americans. I'm not gonna have it on my back that this is gonna happen. I'm not gonna do it, bro. Yeah. So after he voted no uh, on the following Monday, Susan Collins came and basically said no. I'm not gonna vote on it. And I think even um, a couple of Republican senators came out and were against it. And so that's it. The The bill died. It never even came to the floor vote. Well, yeah, because McConnell was not going to sit there and, uh, all right, so we're going to do it again? No? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. going to let Miss- that and be embarrassed <laughs> again. He wasn't going to let it happen. Speedy, um, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. knows yeah. how to count. Yeah, yeah, Turbo was not going to let that shit <laughs> no, hit the floor. And so it clearly is not good for the president by not passing repeal and replace. Uh, it's definitely not good for GOP leaders. Um, they've, Tried multiple times to repeal Obamacare. Um, 
it's not going to happen, um, at least not with Democratic votes. Um, and McConnell said, uh, we haven't, quote unquote, given up. Um, it wasn't over. Um, it still isn't over. Um, but quite honestly, for now, it is, Jelani. That's what I would say. Well, it's all right. I mean, that's just one L. You still got the wall that's coming up real soon. So real here's soon. the thing. Okay, so, real soon. so I don't believe in Trump and his ability to get shit done. What? But, but... He's taking a lot of L's. Statistically, he's going to get a W at some point. So just watch out. I mean, he may have gotten some... I don't know if he got any small W's yet, but if he's going to get any W's, you know who he's going to come from? It's going to come from Democrats. That's one thing he's going to realize. It's like, shit, I could win with Democrats. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. That's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, wait, I think with the DACA situation, isn't that... That's a W. Yeah. Yeah, see- and being able to raise a debt ceiling member? Yeah. That's a W, and that was with Dems. So that's, that's just what... It's important that he's going to get these W's, but I think he's only going to get them with Democrats. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So here's another W that he's going to want to try to get is tax reform done. You know, we talked about that. About, we, we, we talked about how difficult it is to try to get tax reform done. Well, yeah, of course. It's, it's not easy. Well, like, you, you know, everyone wants different things. Absolutely. And, and you know what he wants for the middle class? He wants a miracle, Jelani. That's what Trump wants for the middle class. He's calling his tax reform, Jelani, the middle class miracle. Don't don't you want a miracle for the uh, the middle class, Jelani? He is using the exact same acronym as MCM, which is Man Crush Mondays. No, <laughs> it's not gonna work for me. So, um, I'm so the, the 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 framework just came out right because it's up to Congress to really craft legislation. Um, uh, but he's put out some basically a framework and some points. Okay, um, I have a clip of uh, it was on Good Morning America. Uh, George Epinopoulos is interviewing um, Gary Cohen, who is the president's chief economic advisor. And um, Gary Cohen obviously trying to sell the plan. And uh, George has some pretty pointed questions about what the plan is going to do for middle class Americans. I look forward to this. If I'm hearing you correctly, you can't guarantee that no middle class family will get a tax increase. There will be middle class families who get a tax increase under your plan, correct? George, there's an exception to every rule. So that's a yes. But look, I can't guarantee anything. You can always find a unique family somewhere. What our job here and what we've been working on in the White House is to create an economic stimulus package by using taxes to drive the economy of the United States. And that's what the president has ordered us to do, and that's what we're doing. The president has also said that wealthy will not get a tax cut under the plan. He says that he himself will not get a tax cut under the plan, or his family won't get one. He said that you won't get one as well. But look at the front page of USA Today right now. It says that Trump could reap millions from his own tax plan. If you look at the fact that you're eliminating the estate tax, eliminating the alternative minimum tax, cutting the top rate, cutting capital gains, cutting the uh, tax on pass-through income, that means millions of dollars for the president of the United States. George, look, you've got to look at the, at the planets its entirety. You know, on one hand, you're talking to me about people that, that are raising their taxes because right, we're, middle we're class eliminating people the standard and cuts deduction. For the wealthy. On the on the other hand, you're talking about wealthy getting a tax cut because because of the standard deduction. Well, when we eliminate the standard deduction for the wealthy, someone in New York that you're talking about, well, eliminating that standard deduction for someone in New York and the wealthy that cost them five percent. So even if we lower this the tax in the, on, on federal taxes from 39.6 to 35, and then you take back 
the 5% that you, use, you lose from the elimination of the deduction, you're well over 40% on an effective tax rate on your federal taxes in New York. That does not sound like a tax cut to me. That's before the real estate tax component of this. Well, so you've got to look at the planning's entirety. I am looking at the we whole, also Remember, we also put a, a, the ability for Congress to put a fourth tax rate in place, a fourth tax rate on wealthy Americans, very high earners. If we need to take more money from high earners and transfer it to middle-class Americans to make sure that middle-class Americans are getting a tax cut, we've given Congress the ability to do that. I was talking about the elimination of the estate tax, the elimination of the alternative minimum tax, the cuts in the top rate and the capital gains tax. All that means millions of dollars in tax cuts for President Trump. He says, believe me, I won't be getting a tax cut. Can you guarantee that President Trump won't get a tax cut under this plan? George, when we've looked at the tax plan and we look what it does for Americans, we are very confident that Americans are getting a great deal here. We have also said that wealthy Americans are not getting a tax cut. We have designed a tax plan that is stimulus for the economy, where we are giving tax cuts to middle and lower income Americans. We want everyday, hardworking Americans to have more money in their paycheck. Your audience watching TV now, getting ready to go off to work, we want to find a way to put more money back in their paycheck. Will the wealthy get a tax cut or not? The wealthy are not getting a tax cut under our plan. That's not the evidence that's out there so far, but of course there are a lot of details yet to come. As you have pointed out, Congress has to deal with it. We'll see what happens in the next several months. So you know, you know, I don't got any examples. No examples. No. Yeah, you always can find one guy. One exception. Exactly. You're the exceptions to the rules. It's possibility. Yeah. When does the exception become the majority or the rule? Well, I don't know. <laughs> when you found it, somebody, you let me know. But I can't guarantee what's going to happen. And I don't know what's going to happen. I gotta we'll, tell we'll you, get there when we get there. I got to tell you, George is kind of an asshole or like a little dick. I like it that way, though. he asked him a question at the end. He's like, look, it's going to be a tax on the president. Is the president going to get a tax cut? It's not going to happen, son. It's like, well, that's not what I know. <laughs> the evidence says otherwise. The evidence okay. says otherwise. Like, why would you ask a question but, knowing that, like, like, there's no win for him, because right? I want you to be on the record as saying this. Yes, right. And so when it does happen, it's like, remember when you said X, Y? It's like, I never said X, Y. Oh, really? Here you are. I got the receipts. George <laughs> Stephanopoulos is out to get the receipts. Yes, right. Exactly. Like, look at the receipts. He just here. like, I got receipts all day. I got receipts for everybody. Who wants some receipts? Um. So, so far, we have kind of a framework of what's going on. Um. He says the, it's supposed to help the middle class, okay? Of course. Um, we know that it's going to balloon the deficit. Yes. Um, but let me just give you a, a real quick example of, you know, how it'll affect the average person. Let's say someone like us who lives in California, okay? So part of taxes is you're able to, uh, okay, in California, we pay a high income tax, a high state tax. Yes, um, us in New York, we yeah. just, so aside from federal income tax, we pay a state tax that we have to pay. Some states have no state tax, Texas, Florida all those other states. Well, what happens is that you can actually take the taxes that you pay, state taxes you pay, and you can actually deduct that on your federal taxes so that it can help you when you're paying federal taxes. So you can use that as a deduction. Well, uh, uh, under Trump's plan, you cannot do that. So all the states that benefit are the states that don't have state taxes um, or don't have large taxes, like southern states um, don't have a lot of um, state taxes. So what ends up happening is that um, states like us, we, we're not able to cash in on the savings. Oh, how convenient. Yeah. And they're probably typically bluer states. The vast majority. Oh. California, Vermont, New York. How convenient. Right. Um, Oregon, Washington. Yeah. You okay. Know. Um, so it's a big F you to the blue states, right? 
Um, so uh, I want us to hear another clip. They go into a little bit deeper analysis over um, what is actually how how the actual tax cut is going to not benefit the middle class and who it's going to benefit. So let's dive into details real quick. Sure. Let's listen to that. Steve Ratner is here to explain the middle class miracle that is uh, President Trump's uh, tax proposal. Well, because, because Mika, this is what they're saying. I'm, hey, everything's gone badly, but now yeah. we have tax reform. Here we go. So everyone's going to be okay. Uh, thank God. Go ahead. So Steve. three things to know about this and three charts to tell you about it. One, it does little or nothing for individual taxpayers, a lot for business. Two, it would significantly increase the national debt. And three, it is, it is really, really bad news for blue states, New York, Connecticut, California, that have high state and local taxes. So let's take a quick look at some of the numbers. If, uh, it's a $5.8 trillion tax cut um, on the top line, $3 trillion allegedly for individuals, $2.8 trillion for business over 10 years. But in fact, they eliminate a number of uh, important itemized deductions for individuals, particularly state and local taxes. And so on average, and these are all very rough early numbers because they haven't actually released all the details, but on average, uh, individual Americans, in fact, would have a small tax increase, but certainly no tax decrease, while business still has $2.5 trillion of tax cuts. So basically, $2.2 trillion of net tax cuts, all of it going to business. So you can imagine what $2.2 trillion of tax cuts does for the deficit. Under current law, our deficit would rise to 91% by 2027, up from about 68% or so, uh, I'm sorry, about 75% at the moment, 68% back in 2011. This tax plan would take it to at least 101%, and that doesn't include some other things that haven't been spelled out quite yet that could potentially take it higher. So for the first time since World War II, we would actually have debt larger than the size of our economy okay. under this plan. So and the middle class, how are they going to do? Well, the middle class, we don't, you know, there's a lot of puts and takes, but the answer is basically they're going to get nothing. Uh -huh. uh, that there's some gives and some takes, but on balance they get nothing. But look what happens to people who live in the blue states, uh, particularly Connecticut and New York. So they want to eliminate the deduction for state and local taxes, which is obviously a very big deal to people out, uh, in those parts of the country. And that would cost the average New Yorker or the average resident of, of Connecticut over $4,000. And then you can see the red states over here that have uh, only really property taxes, in many cases don't even have state income taxes, and they would have much smaller losses. So this would actually be quite devastating both for individuals who live in those states mm -hmm. as well as for the states themselves because they're going to have to deal with that problem. So, so when he says middle class miracle, as the president said yesterday, what's he talking about? This is a figment of his imagination. There really are no middle class tax cuts in here. They change the tax brackets around. They change the way standard deductions work, things like that. But there's really nothing there so for him. So is On this the, like him saying that uh, Graham Castor would have passed, but for the sick senator that was hospitalized? <laughs> so a figment of his imagination. Yeah, like most things, that's in Trump's. Uh, ideas is a figment of his imagination, but it could be right. It could be true. <laughs> yeah. It could be a miracle. Uh, yeah, that's what it would have to be. Right? <laughs> that's what it, would, it would have to be for this shit to actually help the it middle would, class. It would have to be a miracle. Like that's what I love about like numbers and taxes because these are um, these are demonstrable, right? These these things aren't flexible. They don't change. You you you. 
take money away from here or you add money here, it, it, it it's a zero-sum game. It adds up somewhere, right? That's what you say, but I've read somewhere that numbers actually have a liberal bias. And you should, <laughs> wait, what do you, no, you should look into that. That's a problem. <laughs> so, so like in states like in California, the average person would pay an, an additional thirty seven hundred dollars in taxes on their federal on the federal income tax. That's great for me because I'm single and like little no alone. kids, no kids, no yeah. house yet. Perfect. That's wonderful. So you are already just, fucked. Just take all my money. Yeah, I don't need it. What am I gonna do with it? So, um, we'll see what this ends up looking like. I. Don't know how he's going to get any of this stuff passed. He doesn't have the political capital to do so. Um, but here are just some real quick takeaways so that folks don't get lost in all the numbers that he talked about. Talked about a couple trillion here. Talks about cuts here. But here are some key takeaways. Um, so working poor, which is like the very, very low income, they could eventually have no income tax, which is not really much different than what they have right now. Um, the... The uh, filing process could get a little bit simpler because they're going to break it down from multiple tax brackets to really just three tax brackets. Um, there would be uh, there would be help for uh, there'd be a credit for helping um, to take care of elderly people. So so so, so that's a small takeaway that's there. Um, there is going to be an increase on what they call the child tax credit. So uh, right now, if you have a child tax uh, care credit, so a child care credit. So what that means is right now, uh, if you have kids and you have to pay for daycare, uh, the federal government gives you a break on your taxes. They give you a credit to help pay your taxes. So, so they would increase that. They would expand that. Um, the uh, There would be a dramatically lower the corporate tax rate to, I believe, to 20% um, to help incentivize and have corporations come back into the United States. Um, and one of the biggest things, um, which is a boon for the rich is that it'll eliminate two, two current taxes that the, um, that are paid by the wealthy, which is what they call the death tax or the estate tax. They've been trying to kill that for a long time. And, you know, it's actually called the estate tax, which basically means that, um, you get taxed on a larger percentage should, uh, should, uh, should you pass away, uh, you get, uh, charged a, a higher tax rate if it's over um, a certain amount of money, right? Um, it's called an estate tax, right? It kicks in once you die. Um, now, they call that a death tax because they say it's shitty because, you know, when you die, they even tax you, you know, because when you die, they tax you, right? If you make a certain amount of money. Yes, that's what the Republicans don't say, though. You know how much money it is, Jelani? How much money? An extra $2 million. If you make, if you have $2 million left over, that gets additionally taxed. Two million dollars. Well, I'm I'm definitely gonna have that. So <laughs> I'm, I don't want it to have. You don't want to have it, right? I'm definitely right. gonna have that extra two million dollars. It's like the most, like the half of. It's like the the, the one percent of the top two percent of the entire um uh, pu uh public. Like it's it, it's such a fractional amount of who actually applies to. But they want to get rid of it. I don't know, man. It sounds like a lot of people are gonna have that problem with that estate tax. It seems like a yeah. lot of people are gonna have to deal with it. So we need to get rid of that shit. Yeah, it's such a fractional amount, but. Um, so we'll see how it turns out. Uh, we'll see what it looks like. But right now, it's just, it's not, it, well, it hasn't really been good for Mitch McConnell. I mean, he lost on the health care. Um, another thing he lost on, Jelani, is the, um, the Moore and Luther Strange primary runoff. Did you hear about that in Alabama? You said Dr. Strange? I said doc, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not a doctor. <laughs> His name is Luther Strange. Oh, he's Luther not, Strange. Yeah. So he's not related to Dr. Strange or anything? No, <laughs> no. Okay, let's, let's clarify. Um, okay, so there was. I have heard of it, though. Okay, so um, let me uh, 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 let me expand on it. So there was a Senate race um, in Alabama. It was a runoff to uh, for Jeff Sessions. Mm. Jeff Sessions. Yes. Um, it was uh, it was a guy who was going to replace him. While well, the Republican runoff, um, it was between Roger Moore, um, who Luther uh, versus Luther Strange, and Luther Strange is actually the incumbent. 
Yeah. He's actually the interim senator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And usually if you're the interim senator, excuse me, you're the interim senator, you kind of already have like a, uh, an edge, right? Because, a leg up, yeah. Yeah, a leg up. I mean, I mean, I'm in the role, right? Well, um, Roger, uh, Roger Moore. <laughs> Roger Moore is uh-huh. a guy from... So we got Dr. Strange <laughs> and Roger Moore. <laughs> These guys' names. <laughs> so Roy Moore um, is actually the Trump-esque type candidate. Right, uh, Steve Bannon supported him. Mm. Um, the guy from Duck Dynasty uh, supported him. Sarah Palin came out and supported him. Um, so all the top stars, all the top stars, they all yeah, supported him. Uh, but uh, Luther Strange was the kind of conventional candidate, the um, uh, the candidate that was supported by Mitch McConnell. As a matter of fact, Roy Moore ran a can a, uh, a a campaign against Mitch McConnell. Basically, basically he thrashed Mitch McConnell the entire time. Um, bashed him that that he wasn't doing stuff for the conservative movement, and um, Roy Moore won. And so what 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 this shows is that uh, because Trump ended up supporting Luther Strange because um, he wanted to be part of the establishment and and and, and support him, um, and it was kind of that that test to see if could the president's choice um, win, and clearly didn't. And so the shitty thing is now not not only did um, not only did Mitch McConnell um, lose Jeff Sessions right because he was a staunch supporter they knew that he was a stone hard conservative uh, a friend in Jeff Sessions um, he now has this guy who basically got elected by bashing him um, so can he be a reliable Republican um, senator uh, who knows and also uh, you know who uh, who Mr Bob Corker is. No. Mr. Bob Corker is a senator from Tennessee, and he had just said that he is not running in 2018 election as a Republican senator. So now Mitch McConnell's looking like, oh my God, I I, I already have three votes. Or I remember how he lost the healthcare debate. So we talked about legislation. I already have three votes um, that, I, that I can't lose. So is Roy Moore going to be a consistent Republican? And what happens with Bob Corker when he leaves? Um, so his majority is dwindling. So you know, we talk about tax reform. I don't know what's going to be able to pass. I mean, well, and this is all without Democratic votes, right? If you start from okay, if we can do things without Democrats. How? Where's my starting point? And his starting point is in a precarious situation. I got you. I got you. That Roy Moore guy. I don't like that dude. Not at all. Just wanted to get that out of the way. I don't like the guy at all. Yeah, he's kind of an asshole. If you actually look up, so Roy Moore actually, um, there was an interview with the local uh, uh, Alabama radio station. And they asked him what his thoughts were about DACA. And he was like, I don't know what DACA is. I, I heard that. Did you hear that? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, and, and DACA. The, the radio host was like, so you, don't, you don't know what it is? Well, just stop, stop beating around the bush. Tell yeah. me what it is. Fucking tell me. But you don't know what this is? He's like, tell me what it is. He's yeah. Like, he's like, what's he this? Know. He's like, well, I don't, I, when I hear more about that, then I'll, I'll yeah. tell you. He's like, yeah, when you hear more about it. This guy was on the Alabama Supreme Court. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that wild? Yeah. That's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Don't so. Roy Moore, the next senator. Well, what's so up? Wait, I take that back. So, no, not yet. No, exactly. so yeah. So Roy Moore has to go against the Democrat in the general election. Yes, it's be so, a real, real fight. Um, you know, I don't think the chances are very good for a Democrat winning in Alabama. <laughs> but against a crazy racist home, well, it is Alabama. Never right. Mind. So, um, <laughs> so basically, he basically this was his real race, right? Um, he should win, but we'll see. See what happens. Whew, all right, that was some that was some 
Some news for you. That was, oh, Lord. That's a whole lot of news. Yep, yep, yep. Well, let's go ahead and let me talk for a little bit. It's time for that weekend wrap-up. So, obviously, we're a little bit late on the podcast because I was gone. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. You were away. I was away. I was a little, I was a little bit away. But I'm first, I'm going to talk about breakfast for dinner. Mmm. Delicious, right? I know. I love breakfast. I don't like that shit about... Okay, go ahead. I'm going to get into it because here's the thing. In Venice, or a portion near Venice at least, there is a restaurant Wait, called- Venice, Italy? No, Venice Beach. I guess I should clarify because you think I just go to Italy all the time. Um, in Venice Beach, in California, there's this restaurant called Nighthawk. I had only been there one time before, and I decided to go ahead and take hands out there. We drive down to this motherfucker. It's real nice. Uh, they have like this weird thing where the doors are, are big ass windows or whatever. And you just walk through with everyone you want to. It was pretty. It was pretty. Um, it was pretty empty when we got there. Only four or five people, but it was not that late. So it made sense. We go ahead and we ordered boozy milk. Ooh. This is what they had basically. They have these little glass bottles that look like the milk that that the, the milkman will give you. Okay. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, the, yes, yes. But yes. the small little bottles, right? Yeah. And then inside of those, they have your little straw, obviously. And then you have the choice of cocoa puff flavored milk. With oh like, my gosh. With like gin in it. What? Uh, Fruit Loop uh, flavored milk with like vodka or something like that. And then one, and, oh, and the one that she had was Cinnamon Toast Crunch flavored milk uh, with some other kind of liquor. I forgot what it was. But so you're drinking the milk that tastes sweet and tastes like, like cereal that you get, eat all the time, but it's also alcoholic. What? Yes. Is it good though? It was good, bro. I'm like, you know, you're like, you're, you're sipping on it. You're like, mmm. Because like dairy products in, in uh, alcohol, it worked. Beautiful, love it. Yeah, I'm letting you know it worked. And then she had uh, uh, a ranchero because she, she really liked that kind of stuff. And I had these this hash with uh, with like purple hash, and it was like it was like it was wow so... purple hash. And yeah, they like we have purple potatoes. Okay, you seen purple potatoes before? So it's a purple hash. What time was this? No, this was at what ten o'clock? Nice. 9 o'clock? Yeah. Okay. So, so it, was, it was definitely breakfast for dinner, and it was delicious. And I recommend you go to Nighthawk if you haven't gone. I recommend you go to Nighthawk if you haven't gone. I'll go. Fantastic, fantastic. Other big section of my weekend, kind of, actually it will be my week. My job sent me to Dallas, Texas. Woo! Yes, yes. I went there, uh, we were there for our annual um, off-site meeting. We actually uh, learned a lot of stuff about, you know, different projects that we have actually completed throughout the year. We kind of learned about where we are, where the company stands right now, which is really good. Found out about really cool projects that we worked on, like I said before. And then we all played golf. Oh, no. You didn't play golf. I did play golf. But we oh, were... I saw that. It wasn't golf. Was it golf golf? Or was it was it not the... golf golf. It was it... top golf, right? It was top it golf. It was top golf. There's no way we were going to play golf golf. Yeah. That would be silly. No, top no, no, no. golf is awesome. Yes, it was really, really fun. Like, they had all of us in like different bays all across. Like, the whole company basically was all in these individual bays. Yeah. Playing in different teams that were um, completely random as far as who you're working with, who who's playing with who. Yeah. We're sitting there. They have the drinks flowing. You yes. ask for cocktails. Cocktails show up. You're just hitting the ball. Now, here's the thing. Top golf is kind of difficult. I had to take a couple of practice swings before I ever got that ball out of there. But when I got it, <laughs> yeah. I got it. 
but it, it took it took a hot minute, hot minute, hot minute, minute to be fun. Uh, one little quick aside story. Um, the first night we got to Dallas, right? Uh, we go to this bar that my cousin who lives in Dallas he recommended that we all go to. So three of my friends, uh, two of my friends actually went down to this bar, hung out. And one of my friends she buys a drink, and this comes back from the bar outside. And that's cool, 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 fantastic. And then she wants to go buy another drink. And then, lo and behold, she can't find her wallet. Oh, shit. Her wallet has her ID. No. She's not in her state that she lives in. Oh, no. Yes, lots of oh, no's. So she's worried about whether or not she's going to be even, even able to leave the state because she's going to try to leave with just a, a boarding pass and no ID, which is also scary. Yeah. So that shit happened. And on top of that, when I made a, a, bought a drink, I give my card to this dude, buy a beer, come back outside, drink my beer, go back inside. About 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, I'm like, cool. I'm going to get myself one other beer. Another beer coming, coming up. <laughs> and I asked to go ahead, buy a beer. Guy gets me beer. He's like, you have a tab open? I'm like, yes. Open it with that dude. He's like, cool. What's your name? Tell him my name. He's like... That's, there's no tab open with that name. I was like, what? Wow. No, there's no tab open with that name. I was like, no, I have a tab. I look over to the guy who opened my tab, and I was like, that guy opened my tab. Yeah, that motherfucker right there yeah, exactly. opened my tab. So the bartender looked over to that guy and was like, hey, you have a tab with this guy? And he's like, nope. Oh, hell no. And then I'm like, so I started, I started tripping. I was like, what are you talking about? He's all, and he's like, he's all, why are you yelling right now? He's all, I'm going to tell you right now, like, you sound like you're having an argument, and I'm not arguing with you. I've never seen you before in my life. I'm like, <laughs> yes. I'm like, I, I thought I was going crazy. I'm like, Am I taking crazy pills? It got to the point where I started pulling out my wallet to see if my card was there. Yeah. Because I was like, maybe it I've, might be egg on my face. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. I've lost my mind. Yeah, I lost my mind. But lo and behold, no. My card was not in my wallet right. because I opened my tab with the same dude <laughs> I was talking about. The oh, bartender, no. yeah, the bartender, he ends up seeing the distraught look on my face. The other bartender, the one I was initially talking to, yeah. not the one who says that he'd never seen me before in, in his yeah. life. Because he handed all of him off to you. Like, he, okay, here, you guys work it out. Yeah, but he, he, he was like, no, I've never seen you ever in life. He's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Why am I so adamant? Exactly. Why Why would I be so adamant? He's like, he's like no. It's not never anybody happened. else. You. Exactly. Like, no, we've never discussed anything ever. Yeah. Anyway, he's like. Can you just show me your ID? Like, maybe there's a misunderstanding. Uh-huh. So I give the other guy my ID. Right. Because the new guy, he won't even ask for my ID. Because now I, it's new cop, bad cop. Exactly. Because he's like, I've never seen before. I give him the ID. He looks at me and he's like, oh, no, I found you. You're right here. I'm like, <sighs> this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Yeah, apparently they had, they misheard me and thought that I was trying to use some uh, female friend's name. I'm like, would you just, well, I'm not Just check to, the fucking cards. Go check, go go to the bar with the fucking cups in it that you guys put all the fucking IDs in the cups. Exactly. He just right. looked in the system and said it's not here. No. I'm like, and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, Go dude. look at my fucking card. Exactly. Go. That's why he's like, I need to go talk to manager. Exactly. Because it was ridiculous. Like, like, it was so freaking stupid. But it is what it is. I actually had a really good time. There was so much good food that I had. I had ramen one night. I went to this other place and had these really cool food trucks. Everything out there was a really, a real good time. And the, the you know, when I went to that mine camp that I went to in Canada, funny thing is, you know, obviously all of my coworkers that I met out there, they were all there, so we also got to catch up too. So that was really, really fun. But the whole trip, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. It sounds fun. Yeah, it was dope. It was Top dope. golf is always fun. Yes. And next year we're going to Dallas again because we do it every year. It just has to be Dallas. It can't be anywhere else. That's the headquarters. Oh, got it. That makes sense. 
All right. Well, um, we have uh, begun our Halloween kickoff, Jelani. Mm-hmm. I saw that stuff. We started in September, I so we do. I, I saw it. In part for two reasons. Um, one, because it's it's cheaper. They, a lot of the uh, uh, places we go uh, offer special discounts for preview days, so we go, you know, cheaper. Um, and also because um, that's probably the main reason why. <laughs> no, we, we do um, it in September because it's cheaper. It's cheaper. Um, I mean, in Obonacy is probably just not as busy either, right? And it's yeah. nice to get the it's it's nice to get the Halloween celebration kicked off because, quite honestly, as you go through the month of October, um, there's usually after after the first week in October, there's usually like every Saturday something's happening. So if you get all the you know the 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 earlier stuff done, then you can make sure you're open for the other things. So this year we went to um, Universal's Halloween Haunt, and we also went to a Disney's uh, uh, Trick or Treat mm. night. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but Disneyland actually closes off their they close the park early at six o'clock for daytime guests, and then they have it all Halloween themed. Um, they have monsters that come out. They have um, they they uh, they give away candy. I mean, it's a whole thing. So I want to break it down real quick. Universal Halloween Haunt um, or Horror Night um, is a is it's by far you know we live in LA right so we have a lot of options in terms of wanting to be able to to, to see a, a Halloween attraction. Uh, Universal by far is the most professional and sophisticated um, and um, beautifully created sets and designs of any of the Halloween theme parks out there. Knott's Berry Farm, uh, Disneyland, all these other parks that try to have a horror type theme. Um, bar none, Universal Studios, right? You, I mean, you would think so because they're a movie production company. Well, um, Halloween Horror Nights is great, but one shitty thing about Jelani is the lines are atrocious. I am aware of this. Yeah. So unless you pay for a front-of-line pass, you are literally waiting a couple hours for a four-minute maze. Lanyard! Um, so you buy the front-of-line pass if you want to. It's basically now it's triple the amount. It's now triple? It's triple. Damn. So a ticket costs you because we got our tickets for sixty nine dollars uh, or sixty five bucks, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but we got general admission this time. Um, but my wife has, you know, you know, you know, my wife is sick; she has a condition, right? Yeah. And so sometimes they, um, some sometimes they offer, sometimes they offer assistance for her. And so mm-hmm. depending on where you go, um, what theme park you go, you can get that added assistance. So, um, but when we went, we we really planned it out. So the. When we went on the preview day, they not only gave us a discounted tickets, they gave us free parking. They gave us a free souvenir cup that allows you basically multi, uh, unlimited refills. Um, and they also let you get in the park three hours earlier. So all this stuff going on a preview day or going on the earlier days like in September. So we could not not go. Um, so, uh, we went and uh, we had a great time. Um, we, we, we started the park at four o'clock and we finished by around 1130. Oh, so we actually finished. You watched everything. We watched the Jabberwockies. Jabberwockies performed. Um, it was a great night. It was wonderful. Just me and my wife. We did not take the little one. That makes so, a lot of sense. Uh, if that happened, I would have judged you and your parenting skills. Uh, but if you want to go to Universal Horror Nights, I would highly recommend it. It's it's awesome, but pay for front of line pass or don't go at all because um, it's not worth it. Because uh, we didn't ride any of the rides. We just, just didn't because we're like, we couldn't go on a normal day and ride those rides. Um, so we made sure to be real strategic about what we went on. 
I got you. So really plan it out. Um, Disney Halloween uh, Trick or Treat Night is a beautiful t- place to take the kids. Um, it's all sold out now, so you can't even go if you wanted to. Um, Fortunately for me, I have no desire. But still. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun because you get to dress up. You know, uh, we we wore our costumes, Jelani. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year, our family has a theme. Um, this year, our theme was. Um, well, well, last year was Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. My daughter was Alice. I was a Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, um, we were uh, the Peter Pan group, mm-hmm. whatever, right? My wife was Wendy. Mm-hmm. My daughter was Tinkerbell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was Peter Pan. Um, my daughter was not going to have me be Peter Pan at first. She was going to have me be that the one of the fucking brothers that had the glasses and the top hat. Mm-hmm. I don't even know his name, but she's but, like, but he was pretty cool. But he's like, guy. I want daddy to be that. And I'm yeah. like, I don't even know who he is. Like, let me be Peter Pan. At least people will not know who I am. But the top hat, he, he wore a top hat to bed. He wore <laughs> yeah, a top hat to, to sleep. And so um, I convinced my daughter to let me be Peter Pan. And so we went as Peter Pan and Wendy. And um, daughter had a great fucking time. Uh, we spent basically till midnight there. Uh, Ryan and I took a few of our friends that mm-hmm. listens to the podcast. They're oh. like, oh, why don't you record the pod tonight? It's Thursday. And I'm like, we're, we're, Jelani's out of town. We're going to record later. Yeah, so, that's hilarious. Okay. We we're calling us out. Yeah. Like, we, all right. We're, out, we're, 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 we're back we're, to work. We're, we're back to work. All right. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah. So uh, you know, we're going to go to like a corn maze later on this this month i'll mm. tell you about that um it's in, it's in chino um so yep good times hay rides and all that kind of good stuff well that was cool that sounds fantastic well i know you just finished talking about your epic adventure but you're about to get right back to work homie because now it's time for them pros in different area codes Okay, Jelani. So lucky for you, I have one mega fucking story to talk about this week. And I think it's a story I'm actually interested in talking about. Good. Um, so Trump got in a fight with sports this week. <laughs> he got in a fight with sports. Okay, I'm not even just the, the general concept of sports because usually, Jelani, um, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with you, this time of year, it's very difficult for me to follow out what's going on into um, politics because sports is up and running. Um the NBA starts this. The NBA season starts in October, and about two weeks from now, preseason game is uh, this week on Saturday. Um, hockey's here. Baseball's in full playoff swing. Football's right in its fourth week. College football starting. I mean, college basketball is going to start soon. I mean, as you can tell, like I'm salivating at all the different content I'm going to have to absorb. Uh, I hear you. And not to mention, I'm I I, I manage two fantasy leagues. And three bas- and three fantasy basketball leagues. Do you have to manage them? Can't you have somebody else take the reins, Patrick? Uh, well, I- I'm actually only a commissioner for one of those. Um, but I'm just some, you know, we call ourselves managers because we have teams. Oh, I, okay, I got you. I-, yeah. I thought you were on the like you were on the like you were chair. No, were, no, like, so I'm like commission. So I'm a- so I'm a commissioner of one fantasy league. I got right, you. Yeah, yeah. I am the commission. My name is the commission on oh, the fantasy <laughs> league. You're, it's appropriate. You're so fucking nerdy. I know. So, um, anyways, let's talk about sports and Trump. Okay. The <laughs> reason why this is important is because as you're watching sports, you don't, you know, I don't expect any of my politics to stream into it. I, I, I don't expect any stuff to get political. I'm like, when I watch news, I don't focus on sports. When I watch sports, I don't focus on politics. That's how I shut my mind off, Jelani. Um, and I was watching my sports, not expecting politics, and we see football players kneeling. They are. More and more of them. So let's give some background. Last year, um, then San Francisco 49er quarterback Colin Kaepernick started taking a knee during the national anthem to protest police shootings of black people. Yes. 
Now, since then, more players have joined in some kind of protest. Others have come out against it. Supporters say this is their First Amendment right. Um, critics of it say that it disrespects the flag and for military and service officers. Um, now, this year, Kaepernick, because of that, has, has um, opted out of his contract and no other team has signed him. Um, and there's other players who have now to have lost like advertisements and sponsors, like a defensive lineman, Von Miller, um, or a pass rusher, Von Miller. Uh, uh, he lost a huge contract uh, with the local um, with the local uh, company. Um, so players are actually affecting their pocket, you know, their pocketbook. Um, Jelani, generally, what do you think about this? I am unequivocally 100% all for it. For the kneeling. Yes. All right. So Trump isn't. Um, well, obviously. <laughs> as a matter of fact, uh, in Alabama, um, he actually, uh, at a rally, uh, he actually railed against it. Let's listen to what he says. Sure. I guess we'll listen to this dude talk. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners, when somebody disrespects our flag, to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired. Bro, it's not your freaking show. Your, your, <laughs> show your show's over. Stop that stupid. It's sh- not. You remember when um, Dean Kane or Dean Howard? He's like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that. Like, you're fired. Yeah, yeah. that it's ruined like, his career. But apparently, this is what they want. It's like so fucking ridiculous. Like Trump acts. That's the thing. Trump, 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 Trump. I say Trump. Trump panders to these folks. Like he's one of them. Like, bro, you are a billionaire who grew up in New York. You are nothing like a southern. No, you're just like them. We're not like them. You're close enough. So your aspirational goals. There has Trump has hashtag goals to them. Yeah. So since then, um, dozens of NFL players responded to Trump's comments by kneeling or linking arms during the anthem. I'm sure you've seen clips of it. Um, the NFL and NBA commissioners and um, many NFL team owners have come out against Trump on it. Yeah, some of them are um, actually kneeling as well. Uh, so that's what happened this last week. Um, it's spilling over into all kinds of sports. Um, the MLB, um, Major League Baseball, one player already uh, knelt, uh, knelt recently. Um, but, you know, one, one, one organization that's not kneeling is a NASCAR. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, Na- Na- NASCAR, no one knelt. They just stood up. I think they even got, like, ladders and shit to, like, <laughs> climb all those can, fuckers. Can we get taller, please? <laughs> can we get taller? Um, but you know, I gotta tell you that, uh, the polling on this is, is, is pretty right down the middle, man. It's like when they polled, um, 44% said that they are against it and like 50, 54, 55% said that they are for it. It's split along black and white. I mean, you know, and here's a shitty thing about it is, um, how white people don't understand this amongst black folks, you know, like it's duh, you're not supposed to understand it. You know, it's like a cultural black experience. Well, like, it's, a, it's a cultural black experience, but what, what we're trying to do is let you know about it. That's right. And you are so adamant about not knowing about it that you put blinders on and say, yes, we just randomly decided that we hate the country. Right. That, that's what happened. And it's not about servicemen and it's, women. It's, it's not about that. It's not. It's, it, and, 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 and we've said as much. It so has nothing to do with... Um, it's just like as in, in the Olympics when uh, back in nineteen in the nineteen sixty seven I, I can't remember where that gentleman was but he was standing and he raised a fist in the air. Two of them did. You know, yeah. It's just it's 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 a symbol to protest, exactly. right? 
Um, if you are a celebrity or an athlete that has a stage and you have a massive stage and you want to be able to um, send a message of civil disobedience, if you will, that has always been the case in sports. Sports is like no other job. He'll go, oh, well, you know, I can't go to work and wear a shirt that says, you know, don't fucking kill animals, you know, and have like a shirt of a uh, a pig being hanged or something like that, right? Like, it's not appropriate. You, uh, you can do that in your private life, right? Sports, just like celebrities, there's no, there's no delineation. You know, it's like football players, right? Like, we find out when sports athletes get injured all the time, when they have hernias, when they're sick, um... You know, HIPAA, the Hippocratic Oak, the privacy, right, that you would get. They have no privacy. Yeah. Like, you know when they got a sprained ankle, right? Yeah. If you have a sprained ankle, Jelani, no one knows about it. Unless I tell somebody, right. yes. They are open to the world. Yes, they right? are celebrities. They are celebrities. They are athletes. So, um, the, 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 the rules to them do not apply to the average man. So, when you're saying, so when they have a stage to be able to, to say something, they should. And they are, quite honestly, they are expected to if they have a certain stature. Yeah. So with that being said, um, Trump also fought against uh, the NBA. Well, really against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. You I hear love, about that? I love this. This is ridiculous. Like, like, how are you having all of these fights with private citizens? You're the president. Shouldn't you have bigger fish to fight? And that's exactly what Steph Curry said. Steph Curry was like, "Shit." Like, okay, so okay, so so here's the background. Okay, um, Golden State Warriors, the NBA champions, got invited to the White House. Okay, um, as most major sports teams, if you win a championship in that sport, you get invited to the White House. That's just kind of a benefit you get. So they naturally invited or it was assumed that the Golden State Warriors were going to go to the White House. Um, ever since the Warriors had won the championship, there was kind of this weird like, you know, uh, this this. This underlying question like, hey, are you guys really going to go to the, the, the White House, right? Well, it came to a head because Media Day came and they asked Steph Curry about him going to the White House. And he said that it's really not up to me. Uh, you know, um, it's really kind of a team thing, you know. Um, if it was just up to me, I would say no. I, you know, no, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go. Um, well, Trump heard about this and disinvited him. Said he's, uh, okay, fine, you know, you're, you're hesitant to come to the White House, then, then fine, you're not invited. Invite, in, invite rescinded, right? And he looked back like, bro, like, that's the most childish thing you could ever do. Like, um, it's like invite someone to a party or you get invited to a party and you say, um, and and you don't want to go and and, and they rescind the invitation. They say, well, I, you know, I didn't want you to go. Bitch, I didn't want to go anyways. Exactly. Like, that's why it's childish. It's like, so you you support my decision is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, who the fuck does that? In the most petty way, you support my decision. In the most petty way, like this shit happens behind closed doors and stuff. You know, like Paul, Paul. You know, like you know, I just had an event at which is big gala that um, I actually met Sugar Ray Leonard. I saw that. Pretty awesome. Um, and we had, a, you know, part of my job was managing the elected officials. Right, uh, plenty of them called in to RSVP. I mean, we had 40, 50 of them that had planned to be there. And as the day came, they just, you know, we had scheduling conflict, right? And I could have been like, bitch, we had planned this for weeks on end. There ain't no scheduling conflict. Come on now. You know, if I if 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 I were to tell them and they said they didn't want to go and I said, well, I'm going to take your invitation away. Like, I didn't want to invite you anyways. Here, give my invitation back. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Like, what does that gesture Who do? the fuck is that? At the end of the day, am I going no, yeah. but you want to take control of me not going. You're like you couldn't yeah. go. It's like 
I didn't want to go, but you couldn't go. Hashtag don't flatter yourself, bitch. Exactly. You're thirsty. You are thirsty. Ooh, Lord. That's so anyways, that's the only story I want to talk about tonight. I will have more plenty of sports stories to talk about next week. I'm sure um, you but will. I think it's important just to highlight this stupid, stupid shit that Trump is doing. I know. There's so many things out there that you know when you hear that stuff about sports and Trump and stuff like that. But you know what? There's also things that you don't know. And Patrick, why don't you know this? Why don't you know? Why don't you know? I like that segue. I like how you use the wordplay. I, I did. I, I tried to move it around so you see it coming, but not really see it coming. Go, what's happening? What's happening here? You know? All right. All right. So I'm going ahead and hit you. This is actually, Go. this should be pretty easy. You okay. should get this. I think you're going to get this. All right. I, and I'll be so proud of you when you get this. And listeners at home, you'll also be proud. All right. So Patrick, who has the current, as of right now, Number one hip hop record in America, and why is it important? Um, it's not okay. It's record, right? It's not album. Yeah, it's well, record. It's records. It? Yeah, okay. I don't want to the notes say album. It's record. Okay, I'm going to pull this because it crossed into my world a little bit. Lovely, Cardi B. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Cardi B. Um, I like her song. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the news article. I did not click on it. Uh, but I don't know why though. Um. But, but I know it's a good song that she has, that she had out. Uh, so. so you don't know why it's important? I don't know why it's important yet, no. no so Perfect. I don't know that okay. second part of that. Well, that's fine. That's fine. So you got halfway, and that's really, really good. I'm really proud of you. All right, so the reason why it's important is that uh, Cardi B's um, record, Bodak Yellow, is a number one hip-hop uh, record right now. And the reason why it's important is she's the first female to have a number one record with no features. Since Lauren Hill in the 90s. Wow, that's cool. It's been like 25 or some odd years, awesome. something like that. And so it's a really big deal. It's like a, a kind of like a resurgence yes. of hip hop MCs that are happen to be female being taken more seriously in, in the mainstream component. I dig it. Yeah, yeah. So What's it's your really song called again? Bodak Yellow. What is it about? All right. It's just about being rich and shit. Okay. And uh, well, actually, it's, it's, it's kind of aspirational. It's in reference to where she came from and how, how she got there and that kind of stuff. She even has a line about the fact that, like, when she was on, on Love and Hip Hop, she used to be a stripper. And people used to make fun of the fact she had really messed up teeth. There's actually a line in there where she's like, got a bag and fix my teeth. Hope you hoes know it ain't cheap because she has her teeth all fixed. Uh. And she's come from that place. She's that fact, it's like she pays her mother's bills. She ain't got no time to chill. So, uh, what makes her? What makes her different than other rap artists before, hip hop artists before? There's nothing really. It's like she's just good. Like, and and, okay. and the other people are good also. It's not something like so significant difference. It's just the fact that like the song is hot and it keeps catching more does and more say, fire. Does it say more about her, or about more about us, or the culture, or America? I, I think I actually do a little bit about both because okay. what happened is like people have saw where she came, where she came from. It's kind of like you know. It's, She's riding the wave of us all who know her and are fans of her. Us all saying, okay, you came from this and you're getting this. I want to support this. And I want to go ahead and tell more people about where you're coming from and get you more and more praise. Because you saw her come from to the reality show star. To the stripper, to reality show star. What what show? She was on Love and Hip Hop. Oh. And she was there. And the more people who are on those shows, they kind of just basically wallow in that that lifestyle. And that's all you're ever going to be. She said, no, no, no. I'm going to keep on excelling, do social media and all that stuff. And then I have my record deals and I keep practicing with my raps and blah, blah, blah. blah. And here she is now. Mm, The grind. The grind is real. All right. Hit me. All right, Jelani. Um, What is a true red shirt player? So you messed up. 
Hmm, tell me what it is. You messed up. <laughs> All right. I'll let you know why. Because you were watching something. They mentioned red shirts. Oh, they did. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, so what's your true red shirt? It has player? to do with USC somehow. Oh. Okay. Or, 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 or the Washington people. Because it says something about red shirts. They I heard did them. say red shirts. Yeah, so, it's a, so it's, it's a person who plays for the Washington <laughs> USC. Whichever, no, no, it has to be USC. Yeah, we watched, we watched, I was watching USC game earlier. Yes, yes. USC versus Washington. So yes. it has to and the only USC was wearing red. So yes. true red shirt player is somebody who was born in California. All right. And, and goes U- to USC. Yes. That's what they are. That's why they're so true. True red shirt player. Hit me with it. Hit me with that affirmative. All right, so that's not correct. Um, Damn it! I, I thought you were surprised that they may have said red shoe, red shirt. Uh, usually, it's shoe, red shirt, freshman yeah, player, but it's freshman usually. Um, so uh, a true red shirt freshman means that they are a freshman that is both academically and athletically um, first for first year players. Um, there are some who are uh, considered red shirts. But they, but they could be sophomores. But it's their, it's they, they didn't join sports till their second year. So a true redshirt freshman is a athlete who is not only academically an athlete. They've only had one. It's their first year serving in athletics, but also in academics as well. That's important in college because um, those are players who it's truly straight from high school into college so when they hit the floor or when they hit the uh the playing field people are either surprised or nervous about what's going to happen next like they do really well like oh he's a true redshirt freshman now look what he's doing you know your note should have said redshirt freshman i think because i because i don't know that's what i think it would be helpful if i <laughs> when, said redshirt freshman if i said true redshirt freshman we have oh would you have got it would you i, have I, I, it? I would have, I would have probably still been wrong but I would, okay i would have at least would have <laughs> okay. had okay okay if it said freshman, what? If it said freshman, what? What? What would you have said? If I would just say oh, a, a person who's the first year who plays for USC. I was still yeah, USC. Okay, I, okay. USC. I just yeah. want to be clear because yeah. it wasn't meant to. It, it's not meant to. It's not meant to be what you call it. Uh, maneuvering because red shirt can apply to sophomores. That's that's the whole point of it. Ah, uh, is that when you're a red shirt player? Uh, when they say true red shirt. Uh, that means that both okay, it's fine. You know gotcha. that, that they both apply, but red shirts can apply to sophomores and freshmen. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, cool. Perfect. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. So if anything, I should have omitted true and it said, well, what's a red shirt player? Ah. But that would made it much more difficult. Probably that, because like, well, what does that mean? That means a freshman, a sophomore. So, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, it has less to do with the context of the question because I know we talked about this last week yeah, about yeah. trickeries. It's yeah. not many trickeries. Yeah. It's actually meant to be easier for you. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But that, but that would have thrown you off. But nothing, but, to, do, nothing but, to do with USC. Nothing not, to do with USC. USC or Washington had nothing to do. With, you were way off on the thing. I, I just happened to hear it. I was like, I got him. I got yeah. him this time. I was like, what is this? It is what it is. All I, right. That's why you threw me off. What do you say? I was like, where is this coming from? Like. Because you always see like as a burgundy color. They don't have red. And Washington's like... I just heard yeah. them say it. The announcer said it. I was got like, it. got him! Yeah. Anyway. So you heard him say it, though. I heard him say red shirt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. We're moving pretty fast, even though it's a long-ass episode. Let's go ahead and jump to that dirty pop. Dirty pop. Baby, baby, you can't stop. All right, so I want to talk about a big story that um, a lot of people are not focusing on, um, that are sometimes they're kind of dismissing it. Um, it has to do with Facebook and social media in general getting infiltrated by Russia, right? You've heard about that, Jelana? You've heard, like, I mean, I've it's heard, not a conspiracy. This I've is heard, what's I've, happening. Yeah, I've heard inklings of it, yes. 
So they talk about how Russia has affected our elections, right? And um, a lot of conservatives and folks think it's just, you know, it's nonsense. It's it, it's hypocrisy, right? That, that it's just it's this shit that's made up, right? And, I, and I'm sorry, not hypocrisy. It's um like an urban myth. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's not a true story, okay? And this week... Um, Facebook came out and, and 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 gave information to the government saying that Russia did infiltrate our system. Okay, real quick before you continue, I want to make sure that it's repeated for anybody who missed out. Russia has infiltrated Facebook in a negative way. So um, Facebook said that during the president presidential election, it sold around a hundred thousand in ads to a Russian company with ties to the Kremlin. U.S. officials agree that Russia interfered in the election in part to help President Trump win. Special Counsel Mueller, he's looking into that, right? Bob Mueller, uh, it's part of his purview, um, his investigation. Now, part of the ways was for it to pay um, people uh, to spread fake news on social media. Facebook's also gotten a lot of heat for uh, helping unknowingly or otherwise of help spreading the fake news. Now, it was first brought to their attention back in 2016 because Barack Obama told them this was happening, okay? And they said it wasn't a big deal. As a matter of fact, now it turns out that between 2015 and 2017, the company sold 3,000 ads to fake accounts that linked back to Russia, which most of the, of, of the ads focused around immigration and gun control. Um, recently, Facebook turned over... Uh, thousands of pages of documents um, uh, about the Russian about the Russia uh, infiltration, um, and just FYI, it is illegal for foreign governments to spend to influence U.S. to spend money to influence U.S. elections. It's a federal crime to do it's, that. Yeah, cyber terrorism essentially. Um, cyber. Uh, so uh, there's an article that was written uh, by Engadget. Um, uh, it's actually a news article, um, and I want folks to listen to it because it actually explains a little bit about Facebook and kind of uh, what their responsibility is in this whole, in, you know, in this whole um, Russia situation. Sounds good. Let's take a listen to that. Facebook did once say it was crazy to believe Russians used its site to influence the election. But now, the crack investigators at the Washington Post have discovered Facebook actually knew about the concerted Russian effort as early as June 2016. That is because then-President Obama met privately with CEO Mark Zuckerberg and warned him. Apparently, Obama told Zuck if Facebook didn't do more to stop fake news, it would get worse for subsequent elections. Apparently, Zuckerberg then told Obama the problem wasn't widespread and there wasn't much Facebook could do to stop the spread of misinformation anyways. So here's where it gets crazy. That same month, Facebook's security team is reported to have found the beginnings of the suspicious accounts set up by a Kremlin-backed hacking team. That's when Facebook started taking it all seriously, though it told CNN at the end of July, quote, we have seen no evidence of Russian actors buying ads in connection with the election, end quote. Of course, we now know Facebook has since discovered about 3,000 ads on social and political issues, and that Putin-backed Russian troll farms ran accounts that spent about $100,000 on those socially divisive ads. Last week, the Big Blue Thumb turned those ads over to the U.S. Intelligence Committee and investigators, where for their part, investigators said the findings are likely just the tip of the iceberg. If you're asking what all this means, your payoff is this. 
Some legal scholars say they expect federal regulators to swoop into the issue and start demanding human oversight to those Facebook algorithms, which if it happens, would be a huge sea change for the independence with which Facebook operates. But if it's really a media property like some believe, a little FCC oversight might actually make sense. For more Engadget today, check back tomorrow. So um, as she was talking about, I think it's important for people to realize that, um, you know, these fake stories on Facebook really make a difference. Um, and in the in the whole Russia situation, um, you know, we're starting to find out now that um, these what they call troll farms, Jelani, are basically huge operations where they have people going in and trolling professionally. Yeah. Jelani, yeah. what is trolling? Well, trolling can be a lot of different things, but what it is for the... the crux of it. It's somebody who goes in and is trying to, through online, incite something to, to change the conversation in a way that they see fit. That's that's the that's the easy way to do it. Now, a lot of times it happens where you're just basically just talking random shit to people and you have to get people to get mad, which is still, like I said, trying to control the situation and change it how you want it, you want it to see fit. But it can be bigger, like what's happening here, where you basically are putting information out to make some kind of effect. That's right, and, and and that's what I want people to realize is that that's what Russia did. They 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 made sure that they target specific pe- pe- people, um, like in those swing states. They knew who to target on Facebook. They went out and set up systems around them to feed them information. You know, um, you ever just go on your Facebook and your friend send send you some random story like this is some weird ass story like it's, I don't believe yeah, this is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. That was happening all across the all across the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and so uh. So I started looking to like Russian troll farms. Okay, so um, I you know uh, I'm gonna let you listen to a clip that talks about a Russia troll farm. Okay, this was back in 2015. Okay, that 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 this story was posted by PBS. Um, and you know this uh, this notion of fake news, right? There was a Russian company called the Agency. Okay, it's a it's a state sanctioned agency. Okay, that was job is to go and troll and plant false stories. Okay, they actually planted a false story in Louisiana back on September 11th of 2014. I think I remember this story that came out. Um, that there was a video of a s- explosion in a small town in Louisiana. Okay, they posted videos of this explosion happening. Then there were videos of ISIS. Okay, that were uh, claim responsibility for it. They uh, 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 they even had CNN repost those things on their website. They had text messages sent out to local residents saying that the air quality is dangerous in in, in that local area, um, uh, that town in Louisiana. Okay, um, let's listen to the PBS news um, article that talks about the uh, the uh, the sophistication that these um, that these troll farms have. This sounds scary already. We turn now to the blurring borders of the internet and the battle for hearts and minds around the world that sometimes involves massive deception. Tonight, Jeffrey Brown looks at a secret organization that is working overtime to sell fiction as reality. September 11th, 2014, there's an explosion at a chemical factory in St. Mary's Parish, Louisiana. Video is soon posted on YouTube. Twitter is flooded with chatter, including screenshots of news websites, a local TV station, and it appears CNNs. A video surfaces of ISIS taking responsibility for the explosion, and local residents receive text messages warning them of toxic fumes in the area. Big news, except there was no explosion. The video 
was a fake, as were the news websites that reported it, and the footage of the Islamic State group taking credit. The social media posts were not what they seemed. As reported in a cover story in the New York Times Magazine, it was all the work of the Internet Research Agency, a shadowy Russian organization based in a nondescript building in St. Petersburg. Adrian Chen wrote the story. He joins me now. Welcome to you, Adrian. This is a very bizarre tale that you've written. Tell us, what, are we, what is the Internet Research Agency? How much do we know about it? Well, we know the, the bare outlines of, of what it is and what they do. It's a uh, group in St. Petersburg, Russia, that basically hires hundreds of Russians to spread pro-Russian propaganda on the Internet. And uh, one of their tactics is to pretend to be people, um, Americans and Russians, on social media like Facebook and Twitter. And this is the world of troll, so-called trolls, and you say at an industrialized level. What explain what trolls, what trolling means in this case? Trolls and trolling um, are kind of old-school internet slang, and they mean people who come in and just try to do whatever they can to be disruptive and to kind of derail the conversation. That's scary, dude. Dude, I'm telling you, there are like troll farms. Um, and Samantha B did, did, did this story on it too um, mm -hmm. last year. And so there are places that are set up by Russians where they basically go and they troll. Trolling is not something that's just weird conspiracy. It happens all the time. This is in a more organized fashion. Exactly, and they're efficient as fuck. Sounds like so. So like this, this harkens back. Um, you know, because there was a question asked, like, why is it that like the Russians have so much interest in this, right? Well, um, there's a story that talks about back in 2011. You know, during during uh, Russian uh, the acquisition of uh, Crimea. Remember how uh, Russians went into Ukraine and they took mm. that piece of Ukraine, Crimea, um, and a large resistance in Russia was organized through the internet. Um, and I remember that. I remember that there was these huge rallies that uh, that they would communicate through Twitter to try to get messages out. Um, and Poon, Vladimir Poon realized, like, shit, I'm not going to get caught off guard again. Like, I'm mm. going to build a force, um, a counter force to be able to propagandize social media uh. um, to do one of two things. One is to spread their message or counterintelligence also. But also the second thing as an offensive measure to disrupt other organizations to 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 sow doubt mm -hmm. um and in our case they did that with the u.s they 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 tracked us they figured out where we were most susceptible where we could be the most influenced what we use the most these are all russian hackers yeah, yeah, yeah. that found this information out and quite honestly use that against us now we're just learning about facebook we're now starting to learn about twitter and their access they had thousands of fake what they call twitter bots as a matter of fact um uh, Twitter, it just came out that they found Russian fingerprints over hundreds of thousands of fake accounts that were that would regularly post anti-Klin messages. Many were automated Twitter accounts called bots uh, that sometimes fired off identical uh, message seconds apart from each other and um, in, in, in exact alphabetical order of the made-up names. So it's definitely, definitely a machine. Or, yeah. Yeah, definitely it's like an algorithm. All right. It's an I, algorithm. Here's the message. Send it out to everybody. Like, right. Exactly. As a matter of fact, on election day, they found that one group of Twitter bots sent out hashtag war against Democrats more than 1,700 times. And some of that stuff was, you know, I mean, some of that stuff is kind of just shot, shotgun approach, right? Yeah, of course. It gets, it gets retweeted or it gets reposted or it gets liked, you know. But even if those things don't happen, they're still being viewed by people. Yeah, yeah, and they're espousing. Still, they're yeah, espousing the information. Still deadly. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so it's it's I think it's important that people realize that this shit is serious and we're gonna hear more about this. Um, and a question I asked you, Jelani, is um, how much do social media purveyors or not not purveyors, excuse me, oh, uh, uh, owners, right? Uh, purveyors um, take responsibility in in, in 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 managing this. I think that what's what, their responsibility? Well, here's the thing, because like when you have that type of information be available through those channels, then you do have some kind of responsibility. It's because it's the consumption of information now. Ex- exactly, exactly. So, so are they held to the same standards as newspapers? Uh, well, in a sense, because... Uh, uh, or at least the news articles. I don't at, know. At the you very tell- least, because it could be even editorial, because my thing is this, is that you are allowing this... Like, you've made your platform be allowed to actually expunge information in that manner. Seventy percent of people get the information through Facebook news. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Is that is is is, is, is that astounding fact that's, to you? No, it's not astounding. It makes perfect sense. That's where I get most of mine. So I'm like, so when you think of it that way, it's like it makes sense that you should be held responsible for what is actually consumed. That's all I'm saying. Right, right. So, so, so you bear some responsibility. As a matter of fact, Facebook says that it takes down um, one million accounts a day of fake of 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 fake accounts. A million a day, they said. Um, as a matter of fact, um, they took down a whole bunch of them uh, during the French and um, the uh, the upcoming or or, or or the German election that just happened. So they say they're doing their job, but. Um, I mean, quite honestly, I don't know if it's enough. Um, Twitter was in front of the U.S. Senate committee today, and the U.S. senators said they were unimpressed by Twitter's um, lack of information. They thought it was wholly inefficient. Um, they, they were pretty depressed by it, so they're going to ask them to come back again because um, it seems like Twitter doesn't quite understand the degree of which uh, Russia is fucking with their shit. Damn it. What else? A boy died. The man... The man. The myth, the legend. The velvet robe. <sighs> yeah, we wore that velvet robe for about 42 years. Hugh Hefner, sir. Yes. Died at the ripe old age of... 91. 91, sir. Um, he died of natural causes. Died at his home in L.A. Um, you know, I, I... You know, I... I when Hugh Hefner died... Well, first of all, Hugh Hefner has been around for very long. I mean, he, he, he obviously was around, you know... Sp- before I was even born. So I grew my whole life knowing who Playboy was and who Hugh Hefner is. That's correct. Um, and so I started thinking about when was kind of my first experience of Playboy, right? And my experience of Playboy as a kid was always just, Playboy always had like the celebrities. Like like if I was looking forward to seeing some, some celebrity, it was going to be on Playboy. Um, and I knew that it was the quote unquote cleaner of the other the other magazines, and and that they had a lot of words. They did have a lot of words. A lot of words. Because yeah, if, if I take it back, first of all, this sounds really odd, but also we're just being honest. Yes, we did see Playboy as kids because hey, this is what happened. That's what you do as a kid. Exactly. You, that, I mean, every boy who wants to, you know, like play Playboy is more than just like a nudie magazine. It's gone beyond that in terms of like you know. Um, social impact, right? Exactly, absolutely. right. And that's what I was gonna I say. Mean, my, my my point is that, like, I remember looking at it when I was younger. And it's like I would read articles and was like, who who was interviewed here? Oh, that seems interesting. And then they had the little jokes, the little comic book jokes. I mean, obviously the the magazine still exists because he long ago gave that to his kid and say, here, y'all handle, y'all this. take care of it. Yeah, yeah he's so just become a figurehead. Exactly. So it's still that, that's still gonna go strong. That's still gonna you know they had the little situation where they're trying to have no nudity, ran that yeah. back. Put the back the nudity back in there, but you know, so they're they're still handling it. But yeah, he was a big impactful. And funny when I was in Dallas, 
Facebook showed me that it happened. No, no. It was a Facebook. I don't know. It could have been my Google Messenger, Google Alerts, anything. Somebody showed me that it happened, and I'm like, "You have to die!" I look over to a, a table of people who I do not know. And I'm like, "You have to die!" Yell it out, and I was like, "We got, we got a toast to this." And everybody just put everybody, the toast. The, everybody, yeah. everybody yeah. in the bar lifted our cups. Like, that's right. To half, <laughs> like, to half. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's like on my bucket list to go visit the Playboy Mansion. You know, I mean, it's here in LA. Haven't had a chance to, to go yet. Haven't finagled my way through. Uh, met many people who have. So, you know, July, if you ever get an invite, you let me know. I will let you know. You'll be the first person to um, let me know. But, you know, again, um, Hugh Hefner passed away, um, age of 91. I want to end this more with a quote that he said that I researched, I looked up. Okay, okay. okay. Um, someone once asked uh, Hugh Hefner, what's your best pickup line? And he said, hi, my name's Hugh Hefner. That could only work if you were Hugh Hefner, though. That's right. That's the point. He's a boss. Um, so I wanted to add this one little note that I just found out earlier today. Um, Julia Louise Dreyfus, um, one of my favorite favorite actress comedic actresses, um, Veep. Mm-hmm. I love her show. I love when she's on Seinfeld. Um, I love, I love, I love her 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 work. Um, she has breast cancer. That's really unfortunate. Um, it's amazing how she she. Uh, she actually posted on Instagram, which goes to show so, so, social media is where we go and we, you know, gather and consume our news. And she posted, one in eight women get breast cancer today. I'm the one. Uh, she also wrote, the good news is that I have the most glorious group of supportive and caring family and friends and fantastic um, insurance through my union. I love that she mentioned that. Love it. Um, the bad news is that all not all women are so lucky. So let's fight all cancers and make universal health care a reality. Damn. Use her own plight yeah. and still got on a soapbox. I know. I love it. That's I love, why it. I love, I love it. it. Um and this is just days after her winning her sixth straight outstanding lead actress in comedy series of uh, Emmy Award mm-hmm. uh, for her role in Veep. Um she broke the record. There's there there's no other she won six um for being the same actress in the same role. Damn. So good job. Um, I'm sure you know. I'm not. I'm not sure, but I hope everything is fine. That she'll she'll be able to go through treatment. But um, I just love the way that she presented it and just yeah, awesome. a whole lot of grace. Yeah, absolutely, totally. absolutely. Um, we just talked about Julia Lee Dreyfus being on her little soapbox, and it's time for us to go ahead and jump on ours. Let's hit that soapbox. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Be you, it's gonna be me. What do you want to do? Um, I can go for I, I mean, I know it's yours hard because I'm not coming real hard, but I'm coming a little hard. Okay, so I'll go first then. I'm going first. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. All right, so um, I was waiting for a package um, the other day from uh, DHL. Okay, um, I don't ever use DHL, Jelani. I didn't know DHL was still a thing. Um, it's an international company, um, and so uh, I, you know, I've seen their yellow vans with the red font, right? DHL, mm-hmm. uh, I've only seen it in Mission Impossible movies. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, I've never, I very rarely, I very rarely ever see a DHL um, van around here, right? Um, I see them at the airport sometimes, so they're reputable, I would imagine. So, well, I was waiting for a package, okay? So, um, they had a cool, uh, a cool app that they sent to me, and it said, "Oh, your package is arriving here." I said, "Great," and it says, um, "If you'd like to make changes, you can make changes to it." So, I click on the app. And or I click on the link from the text message. It takes me to the online where I could redirect it. And I wanted to redirect to my office. Great. So I sent it over to go to my office. Um, and they say it'll take one day to get there. Right. So it's my office, my business, my work. 
Um, so the next day I track it and I'm following it and they say they came to my house. So, okay, why would you come to my house when I told you not to go to the house? They left a sticker that said, oh, you have a package. Please contact us. And I said, okay, great. And I said, you know, they just mixed. The lines got crossed. They just messed up. It's a perfect app. It was a perfect link. Like, the link works fine. Like, why would it not work? So I check and say, oh, we're going to re-deliver it the next day. I said, okay. They come to my job, Jelani, the next day because um, I wait all day at work and it never arrives. Work closes. I check the package, Lonnie. Tell me why 8.35 p.m. they tried to deliver a package. 8.35 p.m. P.M.? P.M. That's nighttime. Then the nighttime. To my office. I said, okay, well, maybe it's a mistake. Let me send a note. Let me call them. So the next day, I call them and I say, hey, look, I want to make sure that the driver who has my package does not come at 8 o'clock at night. My office is not open at 8 o'clock at night. The operator says, fine, yeah, we will send it, sir. Put the notes there. I even use your app again and I send a fucking note saying, do not come at 8 o'clock. Ain't no one fucking here at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Wait the whole day, Lonnie. The package never arrives. I, I, <laughs> I'm so befuddled that I look at the, uh, uh, the tracking, Jelani. And you know what? Um, it said they tried at 10.35 p.m. So this guy came even later to try to come and deliver this package. So I called DHL the next day. And I said, why, why would your driver come to my place at 10.35 p.m.? Later than what I had requested when I left you, a live person, a message. Um, they were going to try to re-deliver it. I said, no, 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 stop. Stop right there. Let me come to you. Okay. Where can I go to go pick it up? And so they ultimately sent it to like a local DHL store, which is not very many, Lonnie. When's the last time you seen a DHL store? I just said I didn't even know DHL was still a thing. So I went to DHL store, which is not a DHL store. It's a Korean guy who owned a mailbox place that was their uh, exclusive dealer or provider. So I finally got my package. Um, but I, when I get the package, Lonnie, it has all these misdirections on it. I swear, Jelani, it, it, it looked like it came through 15 different customs to get to my place. And it was coming from like New York. Oh my gosh. So um, my rant is stay away from fucking DHL. Damn. Okay. Or oh, don't try to change the direction. Don't try to give them extra shit. Damn. Okay. Do not do not expect the package to come at a reasonable hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it will come at 1030 or later. Just say, I will come to you. Which completely removes the reasoning for how it's been delivered. To go get it. That, that, that's not how delivery it's works. It's like, I swear I felt like I was talking to someone who was lost. And like I'm like, just, you don't move. I will come to you. Right, I want I, to say I, that. I, I, I'll find you. I'll find you. I'll find you. <sighs> I hate DHL. Okay. <laughs> I hate them. I hate you, DHL. I hate you. So, the Black Tie Affair is not a supporter of the DHL company. Um, so, I was out with hands last night. Just walking. Walking, walking through the streets of Long Beach. Um, and then there's a car pulls up. A couple of fellas in the car pulls up. And the guy makes eye contact, eye contact with me. And he's like doing something with his hands or dancing to the music or doing something with it, <laughs> he's right? dancing, okay. Yeah, whatever. He starts pulling back a little bit. Now, this is all this is all from the passenger side. The, yes. What I'm going to story I'm going to tell you. Passenger side guy. The guy who's driving, he wasn't saying anything to me. Not that I could hear. He's like, hey, man. I was like, what's up? Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. Then he's like, then, then like we're still walking. He said he pulled back for it. Uh-huh. Then he starts yelling out, Rebecca, Rebecca. Okay. Rebecca. He is talking to Hans. Okay. Which is that's not her name. That's not her name. It's not her name. He's using the the famous oh uh, Becky. The, exactly the the, oh, su- the pseudo slur yes. Becky. Okay. All right. Yes. A fight coming. I feel a fight's coming. <laughs> yes. 
The girls will get you into a fight. No one get me into a fight. It's there, there, there. But 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 I was like annoyed by this whole shit. He's like passed by. He's like, hey man, pussy probably good, huh? Oh yes, okay. exactly. He's saying all this shit. All right. So what you do? Oh, we just kept ignoring it. What we gonna do? I'm gonna drive and fight a car. <laughs> what we gonna do? Okay, go ahead. I'm okay. I'm, I'm just, just no. My I'm whole point. Story. I'm yeah, the story. My whole point uh-huh. is the fact that I was like, you are a grown ass man, <laughs> heckling <laughs> people yeah. on the street. Like what that's did you right. what did you expect that's actually right. to take place? That's right. Like what was the what was your end goal necessarily? That's right. my thing. It's like like no. I saw what happened. He just drove away. Yeah, basically, just kind of just drove away. You just, not, you just ignore him and he, he exactly drove away. exactly. Because I'm not going to engage with a child. It's <laughs> like, well, hey man, don't say that. It's like yeah. that's, that, no. Was it a child though? No, it wasn't a child. It was a grown ass man. It's a grown ass man. That's what I'm saying. Like the my a my man. my main purpose is like you're driving around on a Thursday or whatever day Thursday uh-huh. and you just. Yelling at people in the street? Yeah. What'd you do? That's what they do. What'd you do? This is, this is your life? That's what you do. I need you to find your life. I need you to get your <laughs> life. That's what I need you to do. So, um, it's funny you bring that up because uh, I was reading an article. Ever heard of this thing called, uh, it's Q-U-O-R-A. Do you know what that is? Q-U- Cura or Cora. Uh, right. So, like so you've been to that website before? Sometimes. So it's like a, ask a question and like an expert will go and answer these yeah. random question. And along with your story, there was a guy who asked, um... If a Navy SEAL operator, who who would win um, in a street fight with a Navy SEAL operator um, if someone, you know, approached him and was like, you know, like a street fight? Like, would he be able to win? And the guy responded, um, a true Navy SEAL operator would avoid the fight at all costs. He would know that you do not fight unless you absolutely have to fight. He said that if folks were to heckle him or to try to push him to get into a fight, he would at all costs avoid it. And so I think that's important to note because um, the inclination, um, if you were younger, right, or if you're not as responsible, um, is to turn around and confront the person in the car, right? And then if you gameplay it, right, walk me through what happens next. He gets out of the car, hands maybe goes behind you or whatever, right? Him or his friends, because you could be outnumbered. Well, definitely, because I said right? the person who talked to me was right? not the, not the driver. So, right. Yeah, so we already um, had a situation with the outnumbered. That's that's a guarantee. And you're in Strong Beach, right? And so most of the best fights that you win are the ones you never get into. And so, um, you know, if I was in that situation, um, that's what you... If, if you had a 14-year-old yelling at you from the car, you would not give them time or energy as well. Um, mind you, you are in Strong Beach... And that law shit goes on, and motherfuckers are crazy, and they're drunk, um, or they ain't got shit to do. And you're trying to fuck with a couple walking down the street. Don't fall into that trap. Exactly. Don't uh, don't don't let them do that to you. No, that was not the plan. Not was not in the cards. Not at all. But yeah, that was that was my thing. I was like, you're, you're, you're grown. You're I'll grown. be honest with you, Lonnie. You're not a good fighter. I haven't. You never seen <laughs> me fight. That's why. That, yeah, that's part of it. That's part of it. Um, but I do not want you to get hurt. Nor do I. Or I want hands to get hurt. No. So I'm, I would like at all costs to avoid that situation. Exactly. I was telling you the situation. Like, don't get like, punched. Don't, don't get punched. You, have you seen this face? It's the moneymaker. <laughs> Why would I ever allow that to happen to me? I'm like you're a grown ass man. You ain't no grown ass man squabbling in the street. That's what what's up with you? That's how you go to jail? No. No, that's that shit. No, no, not going to take place. Yeah, so, and don't be a grown ass man heckling people. What is this? 1960s. You're not the car. Like, come on. How you doing? What are you doing? What That's is that? That's what I'm saying. Like, like, that don't make what? no sense. Bro, come on. Fuck out my face. Yeah. And don't use DHL. <laughs> and don't. <laughs> don't use those fuckers. The priorities. Don't use DHL. Don't get into fights in the street and do not use DHL. 
All right, priorities, priorities, priorities. Patrick, oh my gosh, that was a long ass. Was that was that the black tie affair? That's a black tie affair, Jelani. Do we have any hiccups for next week? Are we on schedule? Are we good? No, we we're, we're all we're all set. We're okay. all set. The only thing I have. We to might do be trying to do Thursday though, right? Yeah, so yeah, just yeah, so folks know exactly. we'll probably be loading on Thursday. Exactly, exactly. Because I all I have to do is um Friday I'm going to a volunteer event, but that's Friday. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, they need they need to go to schedule. Is that yeah, what you're so so what's happening in my life? No, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Um, once again, everybody out in the world, thank you for your support. Thank you for your reviews. Thank you for your repost. We appreciate it. The reviews, five stars. Love it. Exactly. And we'll read every single one uh, that says five stars, obviously. So keep, <laughs> so keep well, Give it one star. I want to hear a one star. Let's see what the one star says. Well, no, no. Don't give us a one star. Give if, us a five star, but then say something funny if it was a one star. If, 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 <laughs> if, if, you, if you have a one star and it's really funny, I will read it. Just saying. Yeah. All right. So we're out of here for today. We'll see you later. Peace. <laughs>